Turn my monitor down just a little bit, please. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. There is a, such a great undercurrent that is taking place right now in the Spirit. As you saw last Sunday when, the, when our missionary was here, he explained that Worship was the undercurrent to, uh, to your miracle. It's a prerequisite to your miracle. Tonight, it's already been said that there's miracles taking place all over the building. I'm going to speak this tonight before I ever start. If you have a need, if you need a miracle, you don't need to be prayed for. You don't need anybody to lay hands on you. All you need to do is raise your hands in the middle while I'm preaching tonight. If you need something from God, raise your hands wherever you're at. God will meet your need immediately. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to... Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. text. Actually, I won't read that yet. I saw a t-shirt one time during Father's Day. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for so long. I saw a t-shirt one time around Father's Day. This is what the t-shirt said. It said, Dad, fixer of all things broken. Dad, fixer of all things broken. How many times has your child fathers brought something to you that was broken and said in pieces and said, "Here dad, can you please put this back together for me?" I don't I can't fix it. I don't know how to fix it. Can you please fix it for me? Being a father, that great pride swells within your chest because you know that your young child has trust in you. 
Tonight I want to speak to you about this. This Father that we all share in common. That is the fixer of all things broken. My Heavenly Father is my fixer of all things broken. I know that's not proper English and I know it's... But you get the point. My Father, my Heavenly Father can fix anything that I have or anything that I need. In Haggai chapter, chapter 1, verse number 6 is my text. It says, Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, I'm sorry, ye clothe you, but you, there is none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put in bags with holes in it. As I begin to prepare for this message, God brought this to my attention. I don't know why. But I think that all of us can relate to this particular passage of Scripture some point in our life. Whether it be at this present time or whether it be a time farther beyond us now. Or behind us, I'm sorry. Some are relating to this very scripture tonight based on our economy that we're in. They're looking at it saying, I'm working but I don't have any, I can't make ends meet. We're struggling to keep our bills paid. We're struggling to pay the mortgage. They're working, putting their money in bags with holes in it and wondering why they can't get ahead. Our churches today are full of people in this, in this manner. Our church is reaching to people that are saying, I don't have enough to make ends meet. Countless numbers of people come to our church doors, not just this assembly, but church doors all over our great nation looking for someone to help them, someone to give them something to fill the holes. I'm not just talking about a spirit, a economical breakdown. I'm talking about a breaking, a brokenness that's within your spirit. You can have all the money, you can have all the things that you need, and still be spiritually broken. You can leave, you can come and sit on a church pew and still be spiritually broken. Many of us have been in church for that are here tonight. I guess I need to say this. We spend a lot of time ministering to the new ones and to the babies, and that's, that's all proper, and that's the way we should do it. Because if there's no new babies coming in, there's no young people in our church, then our church will die. But along the way, there are the, old, there are the ones that are the pillars of the church. The ones who become part of the tapestry of the building. That we don't necessarily see them anymore. They're there. We know they're there. But we really don't see them because they don't take a lot of time. 
Us of human nature, we tend to focus on the demand at hand. We forget about long-term effects. So I'm going to preach to... Forgive me if I don't preach to the new ones or the young people tonight. I want to focus the rest of my time on those who have been in the church longer than five years. Once you reach, I believe, once you're over the five-year mark, you're pretty well on your way. You're pretty well established. Some will disagree. But I want to talk to those who have been in the church that are considered a pillar. Everybody has a different uh, definition of what the pillar of the church would be. Some would say it's the deacons. Some would say, well, it's the ministry Others say, well, it's the elders of the church. But I'm here to tell you that we need elders. We need pillars. Sometimes saying pillars is a nice way of saying elders. I got called an elder one time not too long ago, and I felt really bad. I didn't realize that, but... Time flies. But I want to talk to the pillars of McCormick's Creek Church. You have faded into the background by rightly so. You've earned that place. You've earned the place of pillar. You've earned the place of this is where I stand. This is my post. This is where I guard. This is my place in the tabernacle, if you please. You've earned that right, and I would never discredit that, or I would never try to disregard that in any way, shape, or form. I hold the pillars of the church in the highest regard. These are the ones you need to look to. These are the ones who went through hell and high water and are still standing. These are the ones who will be here day in and day out. When, the, when, when ministry comes and goes, the pillars of the ones are going to be standing steadfast. These are the ones you need to look to. These are the ones that are steadfast in the doctrine. Young ones, if you want to get close to God, get close to a pillar. You want to get strong in the Holy Ghost, find you a pillar. Chain yourself to a pillar. Find something. Oh, hallelujah. For too long we look past our pillars. We see only the tapestry of the walls. We see only the nice things. We think we take them for granted. We think, well, they'll always be there. They'll always stand no matter what. They're part of the sanctuary. But in Haggai, there was two chapters dedicated to him out of 66 books. Haggai was a prophet that worked within the temple. And then in the beginning of the chapter, he, uh, the children of Israel are in captivity still. They're in under the rule of Darius. Haggai is the one that God sent to draw attention to the pillars of the church. He told him, he said, the church has been run down. 
He said, and he told him, he said, you've sown much, but you don't have anything to show for it. You've been putting your, thing, your, your goods in bags with holes in them. At one point, he rebuked the elders. He rebuked, the, he rebuked them because they were not holding the, the doctrine. They were more concerned about building their own houses again versus erecting the temple. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to say that there are some pillars that need a miracle. We expect the pillars to be strong. We don't think about them. In fact, if you stand back and watch during an altar call, during a healing service, the, the pillars will be the ones that a lot of times hold back. When there's people running around the church, when they're worshiping and dancing all over the building, the pillars are usually the last few out. In fact, when, you, when Brother Robertson calls for the worship to slow down and to make room for the elders to come, that's when you see the pillars come out. That's when the holiness comes out. I don't know more. Hallelujah, Jesus. I don't know why I'm preaching this tonight. God is going to do a great work. He's not waiting any longer. He's taking that which is broken and He's fixing it. He's taking those pillars that may have hands that are war from battle and He's beginning to reposition their grip. Some of you that are, that are pillars of the faith, your hands are worn from battle. Your swords are, may have nicks in them. Your feet aren't as strong as what they used to be. Your hands aren't as sure as they used to be. But tonight, I'm going to introduce you to someone that is, is the fixer of all things broken. He wants to take those tired hands and put healing balm on your hands. He wants to take the tired legs and begin to strengthen them. Take the weak back and begin to strengthen it. Hallelujah, Jesus. He no longer wants just the elders to be the tapestry hidden on the wall, but He wants the elders to be known. This is who the elders are. This is who the strong ones are. This is who you need to go to when you need strength. And we preach a lot, you know, we talk about a lot of times, don't, don't always run to the pastor. Sometimes it's, you know, you don't have a choice and, you're, and sometimes people just don't know who to go to. Tonight, God wants, you, wants to show you. It's not a matter of pointing out the elders. It's a matter of bestowing honor where honor is due. Let me read to you in Psalms chapter 34, verse number 18. 
It says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as of be a contrite spirit. It was by no accident that Jesus was born to a family of a carpenter. I begin to look at this again. All of us, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know the story. You know where you know that when Jesus was born, he was born into a family that had, that was their trade was carpentry. His his earthly father was a carpenter. We look at that as a lowly trade, but in reality, I think that what he was trying to show the world was, I'm more than a carpenter. My trade on this earth is showing... People look at carpentry as only a ways of creating a new product or a new something new. But you can't be a carpenter unless you can fix something that's broken. I can see... As Jesus was learning in his apprenticeship with his father how to make furniture or whatever it was that they were making, there were times I imagined that someone would bring something into the, to them to their shop and would give it, and something would be broken need, and need of repair. And he would have to learn how to repair this thing. And then even him, and yet. You know, during his training, I believe that he was showing. We look at God as only a creator. A lot of times we get in our minds that he only creates new. He only creates new things for me, Brother Gillespie. But in reality, once the news wore off, that's where it becomes real. Once you get past the new part, once you get over, you get past the initial filling of the Holy Ghost, and your journey starts, you're going to need repair. You're going to need someone to repair you. You're going to need. There's going to come time in your life where you're going to need God to reach down and fix that which is broken. He was trying to show us that, hey, I can fix things that are broken. On my job, one of the greatest things my customers love to hear is, yeah, that's broken, but I can fix it. (laughs) You think about that when you get caught, when your furnace goes out in the middle of the night and your service tech shows up and he says, oh, you've got to have a new one. You would much rather hear, yeah, that's broke, but I can fix it for you. Amen? I would much rather God say, yeah, you're broken, but I can fix you. I can make you new again. I can take that cracked, broken vessel that may be shattered by time, and I can make it new all over again. Hallelujah, Jesus. No one fights in a war, whether spiritual or natural, and comes home from the battle without a casualty or some kind of collateral damage to themselves. I'm not, I would never discredit our, our brothers and sisters that have fought in our wars, serving our countries. And I'm so glad that they come home and we're, we're hurt. 
But I can assure you this one thing, that they were not the same way. They're not the same as they were when they left. None of them are. Some may be better, some may be worse. Your collateral damage may be different than mine. But there's something different when you come home. How you deal with it will define your life. Others deal with it on a different scale. Others look at it and say, well, I don't, I'm going to shut it out. I'm not going to let it be a part of my life anymore. Then there are those who don't know how to deal with the, with the pain or whatever it may be that they're facing. There are those who have felt the heat of the battle. And there are those who have felt loneliness. Unfortunately, there are, among, there are those among us tonight who have known brokenness for too long. I just read to you that in Psalms chapter 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and the saveth such as the contrite spirit. What's that mean to you and to me? What that means is when you're broken, whether it be spiritually, physically, mentally, whatever it may be that you're facing at this present time right now, God has given special attention to you. He has shut out all things and directed His attention to you, awaiting your cry. Satan has convinced us that we can never be healed. You've went through healing services after healing service after healing service after healing service. You've been prayed for many times. And question God. Why, God, have you not healed me? Why have you not taken this ailment from me, God? Why, God, have you not moved me? For God only to not answer. Or it seems like He doesn't answer. God always answers. God will always answer. You just have to listen. Satan convinces us that we're always going to feel the pain. That I'm never going to be healed. I'm never going to reach my potential. I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to be stuck in this place. Jesus wants to fix you. That's His desire, is to fix that which is broken. When He does that, that's His business. That's between you and Him. How He does it is between you and Him. How you get His attention 
is tonight. Your worship will get His attention quicker than anything. You've worshipped prior to the preaching of the Word. You worshipped again. God is attentive tonight, awaiting your cry. God spoke to me a few months ago, and I've shared this with the church before, but it, it, it's so strong within me that I, I put it on top of my notes this time. And he keeps reminding me of this. And simply this, speak things that are not as if they were. That is so hard for us today. That is so hard. And please forgive me. This is, when, you, when you've been in church for any length of time, and you're no longer a new convert, you're a, new, you're a pillar of the church, or you're, you're, been, you're in the trenches and you're working through. That's not an easy thing to do because you see what's in front of you. You know what's behind you. And you know what you feel like right now. It's hard to speak things that are not as if they were. But how bad do you want to be fixed tonight is the question that you need to ask yourself. Because I can't ask it for you. You have to ask yourself. We're going to open the... If the music would come, I'm, I'm not going to preach long. Because God's going to do something. He's going to do... He's going to, somebody, there's some people tonight that have been feeling the undercurrent. There's some elders that are feeling the undercurrent of the Holy Ghost moving right now in this place. And I'm going to do something differently that I haven't, that we don't do very often. I want you to stand, if you would, please. As the music is getting ready, I want, when I open these altars, these altars are always open, but I'm going to open them up specifically. the elders these are the ones who stay back and let the others go first I know the Bible says prefer your brother over yourself but tonight you need to come forth you need to come up because if we let the elder if we let the pillars of the temple break down then we, we hurt we all hurt it's more than just a building that we look at There's people that's been before you and will continue to go before you and continue to pray the way. Those are the ones that you need to lift up. Yes, you need to lift up your pastor all the time. But there are those that are in the trenches. Those are the ones that you want to pray for. This is the way we're going to do it. If you're an elder in this church, if you're you've been in church longer than five years, longer, we're just gonna up it just for right now. If you've been in this, if you've been in serving God longer than twenty years, and you need something from the Holy Ghost tonight, I want you to step out 
and come to this altar and these men are going to pray for you. God is going to give you what you need tonight. It's up to you whether you come here or not. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm not trying to disrespect the elders. But I'm feeling like God's wanting to do something tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, brothers. If you would please pray for these that are coming forward. Don't be sh- I don't want you to be ashamed. Don't feel like you got to hold back because this service has been, this right now is for you and your needs. God wants to fix that which is broken. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Music, if you'll just play real soft for me. Hallelujah, real soft. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. You need a touch? I want you to come to the altar and get your victory tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. It's okay. If you need a young one to help you down to here, then you grab them by the arm and they'll help you to this altar. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. On your way to this altar, I want you to speak what you need. I want you to tell God what you're needing tonight and claim your victory.